Big D and Joe Sports Show. And so I'm a Big D calling from Western <laughs> Mass, 14 degrees here. Um, six, months, six, right. six, six months and the host still doesn't know the name of the show. Yeah, that's our old show name. This is Sports Plus. <laughs> And sports show too. What the? That's that was our oh, that man. Was, okay, let's try really, again. Really stretching the limits. Plus show. Really Come stretching on, the limits of creativity here. <laughs> sports plus show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. How's that? The make fun of Daryl show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. Sorry, 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 buddy. <laughs> so, uh, as I was about to say, I'm right 95 percent of the time. Um, now, Matt, who's right 75 percent of the time. Uh, Matt, say good morning, please. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, Daryl, the five percent you're wrong. That must be this hour. Is that what that, <laughs> is that what we're calling it? You know, the whole thing I try to teach my children, my children I teach, is making mistakes is the way you learn, and making mistakes is a good thing, and I'm really good at it. <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah, I mean, to get serious for a moment here, Daryl, you're, you're absolutely right. I'll, I'll oftentimes, um, you know make mistakes intentionally kids uh and i think a lot of young anxiety in children stems from uh them being so worried about making a mistake and getting into trouble or consequences from their mistakes but hey that's how we learn so i know but where did it i don't think when you were a kid matt i don't think when joe and i were kids that we had that same concern about making mistakes that it was like a sin did we or no, oh I, I yeah I mean I I did I was raised by a football coach so there were there was uh, focus on mistakes was how how we were motivated and kind of raised so like I've I, yeah I I've always spent a lot of a lot of mental energy concentrating on on the things that I did wrong and how to how to change them interesting um, I don't I don't, I don't but I don't I don't want to say that as a negative I think that's well, that's, do you watch the uh, tearjerker? This is us. No, I tried, and it's just too disgusting. I, I, I have it's, mixed feelings, but I, the I, thing I, is, I, I hate that. I cannot watch that show. It is so <laughs> emotionally manipulative. Oh it's, my god, it's wicked. So, it's, but the thing yeah, that's interesting, yeah. Joe, is that the dad of the nice dad was um, a drunk who went to all the little league games and. Um, put tremendous pressure like one game the kid pitched and lost one to nothing on a walk-off home run at the end and the dad was just sarcastic and brutal as you know it's just so anyway that's yeah, a, no, my, you know my, my, my dad the, the my, football coach called he, the kid stupid all the time and uh yeah you know, my, so. da my dad wasn't mean or abusive he was just he he always wanted everything to be better anything it didn't matter what we did it could be and this is true of of children and adults no matter what you do there's there are ways to do it better there are ways to improve it and i this is where i'm the old guy when i was teaching at texas i i my mentors had to kind of temper my criticisms a little bit because they're like you can't just focus on what's wrong with these kids you have to do the compliment sandwich thing and you know you have to balance every bit of criticism you have to add at least that much praise Guess what they're sensitive well but sometimes their their work sucks and if no one tells them <laughs> that this work sucks they're just going to continue to do sucky work and that's that's again that's me being the old man decline of all right but so let's move a little bit more modern so uh matt uh you are uh i don't know what is your official millennial status are you i was born in 84 so, so what does that make you i i, I never can keep I think track I'm like i i have a a foot in both Okay. Kind of. so, so whatever I'm and and yeah, I don't I don't really know what generation you would consider me. I think I'm the older side of the millennial. Okay. You're a, you're a millennial denier, Matt. You're pretty solidly in the because you're pretty you're pretty solidly in the middle of the millennial range. Like that's okay. Didn't they? I I think I am in, in denial a little bit. But didn't they like create like a a, a six year window where like you're, you're millennial or something like that? Where you I don't know. Right, right, and Roger Maris Babe Ruth's record. Um, uh, Matt, so did you? Uh, were, were you afraid of making mistakes as a kid? Um, 
No, I, I have no memory of, of being afraid yeah. of making mistakes. I tried not to. Um, and as I got older, high school age, it was more, I, I started to understand the importance of making, and I'm talking just from a sports standpoint. Um, um, academically, I, I, I was never worried about making mistakes or honestly getting it right. It, it, academics was... But, uh, but from an athletic but Matt, standpoint, you've noticed that I'd say in the last ten years that kids just are not all of them, but many, many of them are terrified about making a mistake. Yeah, I, you I know they write something, and even though they can just cross it out and it's scrap paper, and you can put the right way above it, they erase everything. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's, I don't know, I'm not a psychologist. Um, by any stretch of the means or, or anything like that, right? But, uh, you know, I think parents, as a parent, right, the last thing we want is for our kids to fail or be wrong. And so I think oftentimes, even something as silly as, you know, getting your shoes on, I'll just, I'll do it for you. So we get, we do it quicker. And, and I think parents, my age of parents are so quick to, step in for their children to to help their children be successful they're they're not allowing their children that growth of no you can you can tie your shoes wrong you can put your shoes on the wrong feet a few times you know like i know that's a silly analogy but parents are so quick to do it for them or fix the kids problems themselves kids aren't learning that they could make a mistake, they can fall down, they can get back up, they can fix it. Um, and I mean, I, I, I even see that in my own kids too, but you know, that that's with my oldest, that's, we have many conversations now that he's in kindergarten about <laughs> there's a reason why there's an eraser on your pencil. <laughs> well, Matt, I can tell you it started long before your age of parents, because going back again to my time at Texas, which was only 2013 to 2015, there were, I saw parents many, many times step in to intervene for their kids where in, you know, back in my day, the, the kid, the student would have handled this by themselves and should have handled this by themselves. But it, there's, there is a little, lot more escorting of children through things that they should be. I remember um, I used to spend a lot of effort trying to get kids to tie their shoelaces. And, you know, cause I would never, t I just, Decided I would never time for them. I would say, "Hey, you you got to get a friend to do it for you." Um, but then one kid, I just gave given him a hard time, a hard time about it, and the next day he showed up with Velcro shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl, are you are you Bean Dad? Have you guys you guys have you guys heard about the Bean Dad? Thing. No, you guys know no. this thing. So neither one of you, I guess, are on Twitter. But this guy, his name's John Roderick. He's a musician. He does a podcast with Kent Jennings, the um, the Jeopardy champion guy. It's they just do random cover random topics. And but the guy, he posted this long Twitter story about um, his daughter want was hungry, so she brought him a can of beans, and he gave her a can opener. She didn't know how to use it. Oh, the girl was like him. five yeah. or six years old. She never yeah. used a can opener. So he posted this long Twitter thread about how she we went to this big teaching moment with her and it took her, took her six hours, I think, or three <laughs> hours to get the can open. And she was crying and frustrated. And, you know, he, he's, he's, in a, he exaggerates his stories for, for effect. And that's, I'm sure his daughter wasn't, you know, curled up in a ball for six hours crying, but he was indicating that there was moments of these frustration, but she finally got the can open. Oh, we lost Matt. And, um, but did he, um, did he get a lot of grief for, for that post? Oh, he got so much grief that he ended right. up deleting his Twitter. They didn't release the podcast for a couple of weeks. Like it was a big deal, but, and, and I understand that for people who had abusive upbringings, it, it could you know, set off some, some sensitive feelings, but okay. as someone who was parented like that, I didn't see anything wrong with it. Even the way it was initially toned, go back and, and read through the thread. I'm curious to see what you guys think of it actually reading, reading the thread itself. Cause I think it, it's probably been captured in a million places, but anyway, we're not here to talk about Twitter. No, we're, we're here to talk about sports and there is actually some sports. There was some sort of super bowl last 
week. And, you know, Matt and I didn't really get to see it, uh, Joe, but do you want to fill us in on, on uh, <laughs> what happened in this game and, and what the quarterback uh, came out victorious? Well, um, the quarterback didn't win the effing game. <laughs> Who the, the Bucks the Bucks front six won the game. Those yeah, the MVP should have been Shaq Barrett or, you know, any one of those front six guys I would have been happy with it or give it to him as a unit but this is something that's that didn't surprise me and you guys i texted you this right after the game ended that he's gonna win and he doesn't deserve it these now eight of the last 11 super bowl mvps have been quarterbacks it's just something we do we give this award to the quarterback of the winning team the same with the mvps of the year and brady brady was he was good in this game he he was good enough but they didn't the often the defense won that game they held they held Kansas City at nine well, points. And the other, you know what the other issue was that really kept it from being a, a truly classic game was Mahomes was so obviously hurt in the like the first couple series where they moved down and they didn't score touchdowns, but they got field goals. But they, but Mahomes had two of his patented third down runs that gets just enough for the first down, and then he never ran again the rest of the game, other than trying to avoid the rush. Right. Um, well, then that he the something like twenty was it twenty nine pressures was a, a Super Bowl record right. and the most in his career. And, you know, I, mean, was, I mean, I really felt sorry because if he was at his full peak, it would have probably been a much more in, in, interesting, high scoring game. Well, they were oh, out. No. Both, both their starting tackles were out too, and I yeah, I right, you can't, right. You can't underemphasize that. Their line was decimated. Yeah, yeah. their offensive line. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I I'll get into the game in a minute, but first to, to Brady. I actually, so right after the Super Bowl, I was going back and forth with my, my brother-in-law, who's a, a Patriot fan. Um, and he was that Brady, it's all Brady, all Brady, all Brady. So Joe, I, I do want to come on and say, I understand your, your viewpoint because it was annoying me. And it's like, dude, it's, it wasn't all Brady. It was Leonard Fournette running the ball. It was Gronk getting right. open. It was their, no, their running was tremendous. And, yeah. It, 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 Tom Brady is the goat, but you know, he did when he was on the Patriots, he needed Vinatieri to kick those field goals football. And, and as a coach, I, I totally understand this. I always preach this football is the ultimate team game but there's no more important position than the quarterback. And so, you know, I I don't think we can underestimate the mental, uh, emotional, and even physical advantage that a Tom Brady in your locker room gives you. And and I think I I was reading a lot of, um, you know, quotes from Buccaneers players and Tom Brady, you know, every night would send him a text, we're going to win. And you just, you know, if Jameis Winston, no offense to him, if he's texting you that, you're like, yeah, all right, dude, before or after your three interceptions. <laughs> but when it's Tom Brady texting you that, you're like, yeah, yeah, we are going to win. And the Chiefs had that same confidence too. But, you know, Tom Brady just, he, he, he never – I don't know. I, Joe, and, and I know you're shaking Tom your head. Tom Brady had nothing to do. You could have plugged 20 yeah, NFL quarterbacks yeah. into that game. And as long as Tampa Bay kept their defense, they would have won that game. Well, Tom I Brady had, had very little to do with this win. He was he was okay. He was fine. But there's no magic that, that makes Tom Brady inspire the defensive coordinator and those 11 defensive no players. no sorry I Joe. sorry i disagree and i think that was the me- thing that brady brought to tampa bay when he came is he brought a um, dedication to professionalism that this is the you know, worst the thing players, to happen this the is the players really three of sports complimented him on increasing their uh, worth work ethic you know and and it sounds silly, but he did bring magic. I mean, does Leonard Fournette, Joe, your your point is fair. Like all these guys played a role in it, but does Leonard Fournette go to the Bucks without Tom Brady? Maybe, no. maybe he does. No, but, but he doesn't. He doesn't. He'd go somewhere else. He wouldn't take a pay cut I, to go it, play somewhere else. That's he, was, he, he wanted out of he wanted out of Jacksonville because he knew they were losing. He gave up. His, he gave up money. He wanted to go somewhere to win. So he's going to go play with Tom Brady. Gronkowski does not come back without Tom Brady. You know, so, I just, so, 
go ahead. Well, I was just say, let me let me kind of detour this slowly. Um, so, <laughs> is it is it okay for Leonard Fournette to ask out of his situation and go to a championship contender? Is no, it all right for Kevin Durant? You know my stance on that. I don't I don't like that. Okay, and so James you, Harden. I mean, that's how do you feel about? Do. I agree. I don't like it either. How do you feel about JJ Watt? He just got released. Yeah, but he asked for he it. Cut him. No, he said he said he said cut me. He said, get, you got to release me. How do you feel about that? How do you feel I about him? No, I, I didn't, I didn't read up. I just, well, thought that, really- I, I don't, I didn't read the details of that, but to me, that sounds okay. Right. He's, he's, he probably had money on the table and he's, he's, uh, he's losing that money. Doesn't have much money on the table. I think it's like eight million dollars for the last year of his contract. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm furious at this because he he didn't even give them an opportunity to trade him. And even if you know a player's got to be traded, get a third or fourth round pick for him. I'm, yeah. I, I can't believe you guys are okay with JJ Watt doing this, and you're not okay with Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson or James Harden or any of these other guys doing the exact same thing. Why is it okay for JJ Watt to do it? Well, I, if he, I, I didn't. I Harden, didn't, I didn't Harden just said he wanted out, and there was a trade that happened. So I okay. So I agree. It would have helped the uh, the team that Watt was playing for if there had been a trade. They would have got somebody back. Um, I think though too. I mean, for me, and, and fair point, Joe. It, it can't it can't be good for one and not for the other. Fair point. But I do think there there is something for like the eye test and and the, the, each situation is, is obviously going to be different. And it would also be fair to look at each situation differently. For me, what really stinks, what, what leaves a bad taste in my mouth is when you are a few games into your season, you know, Jalen Ramsey, you know, you're, you're, you start the season 0-4 and, and you're like, I'm out, I'm not coming back. Or, you know, I'm, I'm not coming to, uh, you know, um, uh, who was it? Uh, Le'Veon Bell. I, I'm quitting on the team to get what I want. That's, you know, so yeah, that's terrible. I, I didn't read a lot about the JJ Watt thing that just came out yesterday. Um, I might change my mind on it, but in the middle of an off season when it's not interfering, maybe that's why it has a little bit of a different taste in my mouth. Um, but when you are not showing up to practice, not going to your games, going to a strip club, throwing a hissy fit because you want out, when and if we're going to talk about James Harden, anything that dude has ever asked for, he had Dwight Howard, he had Chris Paul, right. like anything that he dude had ever had wanted, the team gave it to him, and now, you know, so that's why it feels a little different for me. But fair point. I mean, it can't be good for one guy to say I want out and not for another. Well, I think maybe another thing that you may have missed, Harden came out, I think, just last night or this morning and apologize for the way he handled those two months, which you never hear, you never hear a player do. So that was was nice to hear him acknowledge that he could have handled those couple of months better. And and, and quick, because this won't happen often to be fair to James Harden. (laughs) I was was actually very impressed with him um, calling out, I think it was DeAndre Jordan for lack of defense, lack of defensive effort. And really gave it to him. So, you know, say what you want about James Harden. um, (laughs) And you do. And I do. I'll give him credit. I I thought that was good. He, you know, KD and Kyrie were out. James Harden was the leader. And um, DeAndre Jordan, clearly, I saw the highlight, clearly just gave up. Uh, I don't know if he thought somebody was going to switch, but he just gave off um, playing defense in the paint. And James Harden gave it to him. And it's like, nope, that's not the effort we need on this uh, to win a championship. Good. So good for him um, in that. Yeah. Now let me back up a minute to um, Joe's effusive praise of Tom Brady. And, <laughs> and just say that, Joe, your basic point is that a football team is 60 plus players and that it takes the, you know, the sum of the parts. It's, it's not one person yeah. in basketball. LeBron is sort of an example of where one person makes an incredibly huge difference. Um, so you're right. You're right about that. I mean, I think what Matt and I just have to acknowledge is the incredible record that Brady has. And that's all. And, you know, and, that's- and, and he didn't win the games single-handedly. Um, 
with the Patriots, the last one they won, I give to Gronk. I mean, he Brady threw a really yeah. beautiful pass, but Gronk made a sensational play on it to, to set up the winning touchdown. Um, and it was defense for the Patriots year after year that did, that that helped them win Super Bowls. Yeah, and if I can get really really nitpicky, if Pete Carroll doesn't make a really stupid call on the goal line, that's one fewer Super Bowl that he wins. And, you know, you could also say that the two Giants Super Bowls could have gone the other way also. So they made right. I mean, they had two sensational catches that made all the difference. I'm not denying that Brady, you know, deserves to be in, in that, in the conversation, everyone's going to say he's the greatest because he won seven Super Bowls, but Super Bowls are not a, an individual stat. Super Bowls are a team stat. And so I, you know, I think you got to include Bradshaw and Montana in any of those conversations. And because- well, you know what's interesting too? And so here's where um, I go way back age-wise. So the other thing that Brady was lucky about was coming into the league when he came in. When was it? Um, uh, 2000, right? Yeah, 2001, 2002, yeah. something like that. Yeah. The um, NFL really changed from what they used to do with mm-hmm. Johnny Unitas and yeah. – and, uh, and Y.A. Tittle, you know, these older quarterbacks, those quarterbacks would get physically destroyed. And the NFL realized that quarterbacks sell tickets. And so they've made it a little, a, a lot more like flag football with quarterbacks. And so they don't get the <laughs> devastating, absolutely, you had to avert your eyes because the hit was so brutal um, that Johnny Unitas, in my mind, Johnny Unitas is the greatest quarterback ever, but you know, who knows? I mean, he, uh, it's such a, it's such a long time ago and such a different game. Well, they yeah. throw, they throw the ball so much more now too. Oh my gosh. You're right. If, if Johnny Unitas had 20 passes in the game, that was a lot. Yeah. And the completion percentages, you know, it used to be that 50% was good. Now, you know, 70 is, 70 is the benchmark. No, yeah. right, because, because three out of your four passes are to a guy six yards away right. you know, behind the line, which is pretty much what Brady did. Most of the game, he completed yes, about he three, three Quite successfully. Passes. I mean, <laughs> that, he, he was dinking and dunking it. And so again, he was. again, I don't think you can hand the most valuable player award. He wasn't even their best offensive player. You could have given it to Gronk or Fournette, you know, or again, anybody on the line. Well, they had some other runners too, besides Fournette. I think that their running made the difference. But um, yeah. you know, I, I'll be honest, I never care about any MVP awards at all. You know, Aaron Rodgers won it for the NFL. Who cares? You know, um, it, it's it's personal. You know, but the thing is, too, it, it the fact is, it's a it's a quarterback league and and even it's a quarterback sport really i mean look look at college football and the heisman is not a quarterback award yet it it consistently this year was devonta smith but it consistently for the most part goes to quarterbacks an occasional running back you know but it is you, you can't overlook the fact that a quarterback is the only position that literally every play the quarterback can alter the outcome of even a running play. What if, if I'm a quarterback, sure. I can take a snap from the center and I can hand it off me, Matt Baker in the flesh right here, right now. However, I don't know if, if, if there's nine guys in the box or if they're overloading one, like, and, and this is why, if you look at why Jared Goff got traded from the Rams, it was because he, Sean McVay, Jared Goff didn't have the mental capacity to run McVay's offense. McVay was calling every audible from the line of scrimmage in his headset until the mic got turned off, and that handcuffed the Rams' offense. Tom Brady, any uh, not it's not a Tom Brady thing. Good quarterbacks, audible out of running plays, raw, audible into running plays, change where the ball is going to go, call the hot route, you know, make the hot read. A quarterback does have the ability to impact every single offensive play for just for the sake of they can call an audible. And if you don't have a quarterback who has a a mental grasp of the offense, that's why Jared Goff, he's out of LA. 
You Matt, know, that doesn't, but that doesn't just apply to the quarterback. That applies to all 11 players on offense. The left guard has to follow along with all of these changes, all the, the, the complexity that you're talking about. The quarterback is, is just relaying what the coach most of the time is saying into his earpiece. And the, yeah. the stuff on the line is the stuff on the line is so pre-programmed and for it, it's, you might, you might think it's more difficult for the quarterback to do that, but I would rather be the broadcaster than, and this happened to me so many times where those changes come so quickly that my assignment, my blocking assignment would change three or four times in the eight seconds of pre-snap calls and to try and follow along with that, you've got to have 11 guys, 10 other guys follow along with that and not miss their assignment or miss their block or the play's going to get blown up just as well as if the quarterback had fallen down after taking the snap. Right. And that's, what, that's what drives me nuts about this whole, this whole discussion because the quarterback <laughs> is no more important than the other 10 yeah, players. But, we, but that's, what, that's the out. myth, that's the myth that we've car. all bought into somehow no, with these. No, oh. Listen, no I, yes, I'll oh. give you some. I'll give you a little bit there, but the left guard does not throw a 60 yard dime that drops into the guy's hand one inch away from the defensive guy. No, but if the left I mean, guard doesn't make his block, the quarterback can't throw that pass. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Right. I mean, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying the skills are but different. I'm not saying the skills of a quarterback. It's a quarterback's league. And it really is. And I think the new quarterback is the Pat Mahomes, the guys that when they're, everybody's covered, they, they run for eight yards um, and make people miss. And I think that's, I think that the days of Brady sitting back there and rarely running um, are going to disappear. But so Kansas, let's look at Kansas city as a prime example, because last year, what's the difference between last year's team and this year's team. It's not really Mahomes being dinged up. It's those two tackles being out and the two starters they lost on defense. That's why they didn't win this year. Not because Mahomes was any worse or, or any better, not because Brady was so great. They no, won. I, I, I think that Mahomes was considerably worse than his normal brilliance maybe and, than his super bowl performance but i think over the course of the year yeah, he, in he the had, super bowl i'm talking about he had they only lost year. one or two games all year right so i mean it's not like yeah. they had a great year but they the again like tampa the, the entire you know the, the the load the load the credit load needs to be spread along the entire Tampa Bay team because they, that whole team played really well on Sunday. Right. And I'm and just so, and well, they yeah, are, I mean, well, they're going to, they're going to lose a couple of probably going to lose a couple of these defensive starters. So, Oh really? Yeah, yeah, do you yeah. think they'll repeat? You think they'll be back next year in the Super I mean, Bowl? They're going to contend. contend. Yeah. They'll contend. But why does it have to be all or nothing? Cause Joe, I, I totally agree with you. And if you look at, if you listen to Bruce Arians, his comments right after the Super Bowl, he said, he's like, look, I, the head coach, and Tom Brady are getting way too much credit. Why yeah. is nobody talking about Byron Leftwich and his brilliant offensive game plan and Todd Bowles and his genius yeah. defensive scheme to oh stop the Oh, my God, Chiefs? it was great, You're wasn't right, it? Right, but it doesn't have – it like, and I'm not trying to make it all one way, Tom Brady, or, or all team, but it is a quarterback league, and so – the quarterback reaps all the benefits. The quarterback also, if when their team fails, what, what does that mean? It's a quarterback league. What? What? I don't get. Like, what are you saying when you say that? Well, I, look who's the first who's three the, picks the, the in the draft the franchise. Year. The quarterback gets all the credit, and the quarterback gets all the blame. Right. So I think so, we're saying the same thing that, that we yeah, mythologize the quarterbacks to to give them more credit than they deserve. I think I think you right. acknowledge that Brady is getting more credit for this win than he has earned. Right. But, but guess I, what? That's all I've been asking for. For a month. That's all I've been asking for. But Tom Brady is getting, to, but he's also the goat. So. Like he is the greatest quarterback of all time. I I, I believe that it, it's not, it goes past how fast you run a 40. It goes beyond how far you can throw a football. Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time. Okay. And now Daryl, let me, let me throw something at you here because we, we continuously praise athletes who do things that we see as progressive or positive things for for Black Lives Matter movements or for society. LeBron James, Maya Moore, you know, we've talked about Muhammad Ali. Why do we give Brady a, a pass for being a Trump supporter? 
and for for not Brady has not once come out in support of any of these, you know, massive social movements. He hasn't said a word. Why why don't we hammer him because, for being a Trump because guy? He's trying to sell expensive pajamas and underwear. You know, he's a he's a. I think personally, I don't have much respect for him. I think he's. Um, I mean, his his athletic performance, his conditioning, his ability to avoid um, injuries is all uh, uh, first rate. But um, he's got the Charles Barkley. Uh, I'm not a role model. Uh, I totally disagree. What do you? What Tom Brady? What what difference does? He's a professional football player. And I, I, I don't agree with the whole, I, I'm not trying to sound like just shut up and dribble. I disagree with that. If you, wanna, if you want to use your platform to speak on issues, go for it. If you don't, don't. Nothing says he has to. And, and how Tom Brady is not a role model, I, I totally disagree with that. What has he done? What has he done that would make you look at him and be like, ooh, that's a bad dude? I'm not saying sell, sell three hundred dollar pajamas. So yeah. what? If people are buying them, I mean I'm not buying them. Well, then here's the other thing, Matt. You've talked, you've criticized a lot of players about worrying about their brand. And I understand that you can't, you know, the, the idea, your, your, your thrust of it was that they care more about the brand than about winning. And Tom Brady obviously wins so much, he must care more about winning. But I don't think that's maybe necessarily the truth because he's got this, you go, go on the TB12 website and you will vomit. I mean, this is the stuff he's selling on there. Like Daryl said, three three hundred dollar pajamas. I I think we give him a giant pass in, in a lot of ways where we hammer these other athletes. Not me in particular, but the you know. You know Wait right a minute, here. Matt. Did, did I just hear him hammer uh, Tom Brady for the last three weeks? Uh <laughs> no, but I, I'm I'm not. I, I'm not. I could be wrong. TB12 didn't become a brand his rookie year, right? I, I'm pretty sure he was a, he was a few Super Bowl rings deep before TB12 right. became a thing. I, I could think, be wrong on that. I think I, player brands weren't a thing in 2000. I think this right. is something that's just right. sort of come come into the forefront. And yeah. that's fair too. But I mean, I don't you. I I would never. My point about worrying about your brand first was. It's, it's like, the for me, the Juju Smith-Schusters who was going on Twitter pregame saying, hey, I'm going to stomp on the 50-yard line before the game, you know, like my, like my tweet, and then he, he ends up fumbling the ball and hurts his team. That kind of mentality, you know? Um, but also, I'd like to say, Joe, that um, I do not think that – you know, I admire LeBron James. I admire the women professional basketball players, the Atlanta Dreams, you know, who spoke up for Warnock and, and against Kelly Loeffler. Uh, you know, but I do not think that Brady has to say anything. It's unfortunate that we learned that he did like Trump, but he wasn't obnoxious about it. Belichick was much more um, out there and, and, and wrote him a letter and helped um, – Trump right at the end a lot in, in New Hampshire. And so, I, you know, I, I mean, Brady doesn't have to come out in favor of Black Lives Matter, you know. Wouldn't it be nice if the greatest of all time would, would do something to support the gentlemen that he's played with that have made him who he is? Because again, you know, we, 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 we act like Tom Brady has lifted every player he's played with to a championship that none of them would have won without Brady. I, I, it's, not the, it's not the case. It's certainly not the case this year, and it was not the case for all those Super Bowls they won. Well, okay, but what about the one year when Brady's uh, season ended in the first game? Oh, my God. I remember watching with my son. And he just, tore his ACL. You know, getting this sick feeling and you know, they had a pretty decent record, but they didn't win a Super Bowl that year. I, I, Matt, I agree. The quarterback is of the 22 starters. Yes. He's marginally the more important of the 22, 
but he's on offense. You cannot execute a play successfully unless all 11 players are doing their job. And that includes the receiver who's doing a little wandering stock block out on the edge, because if he doesn't, that's one more cornerback that's going to be in that mix. Okay. So Joe, it, I feel like in a um, court of law, when you say, I think their defense attorney says something like asked and answered, you know, it's like, um, I, I think I agree with you. You're right. And, but I, let me just change it slightly and ask a question, a COVID question. So COVID is wrecking men's basketball, college men's basketball this year, just wrecking it, completely wrecking it. Um, did COVID wreck the NFL or did they do pretty well with COVID? In hindsight, the season's over. It's all hindsight. You know, I was very critical of the NFL with how they handled that. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, what I who were they playing? The Ravens, the Ravens, you know, yeah, like yeah. I was very critical of that, but in hindsight, that I it was a success. I mean, and that Denver game when they didn't have a quarterback, that, that was, was a, tough a bad one. look, but it was that, Denver's but, fault for being stupid. That's and that's you yeah. know, it, taking everything into account. You know, I remember Dr. Fauci saying the NFL can, will not have a season unless they have a bubble. And people wanted the, the NFL said, we can't do a bubble. Logistically, we can't do it. It's too complicated. It's too hard. You know, look, they got through it. They did. Uh, there, there were a few outbreaks. And each outbreak, you can you sort of see where protocols weren't followed. Um, and... So, you know, you put it on the individual teams. I, it was a success. I, I also had, feel, a- I feel that the NFL was really pretty successful. And I feel that the NBA looks like it's going to have a successful season. Yeah, the you NBA, know, you, the, the last couple of rounds, they haven't had any positive tests. The NBA is doing, doing great with it. Doing really well, and, yeah. And I, I think, you know, the NFL, they, they played every game. They kind of forced some things early. But, I mean, the second half of the season, there really weren't any any major issues. So, I mean, as as much as I think we all feel these, they were, it was unnecessary, you know. But, again, you know, Daryl, you, you brought up the college season, and that's, you know, that, that's the big difference. We can justify NBA players and NFL players playing for what they're compensated. You can't ask the same of college players. And we kind of texted a little bit back, back and forth about the situation at UMass right now, who, you know, the administration there made every terrible decision they could regarding how to handle bringing students back. And now, now. And so last week they had three days in a row with a hundred positive cases and boom, they just shut everything down. And, you know, talk about compounding bad decisions. They're telling students, you know, a lot of students, like when I went to Duke, I had to work. I worked at a pizza place um, several nights a week. Um, And so a lot of these kids are working on campus and they're not allowed to work. So they have no money. Yeah. the times. Yeah. That's awful. That, that article you sent Joe, uh, and, and listeners out there, if you're not aware, at UMass, the administration has told the students on campus that they are not to go to, if they have an off-campus job, uh, they're not to go to it. And if they go, they can, was it get fined? Yeah, they're going to find them. And I think they, yeah, but I, I think part of the threat was to kick them off campus, which I'd volunteer myself for at this point. <laughs> I can but, but I, but the off campus, uh, they're not doing any better on COVID for sure. This well, morning, they, as I'm driving into the radio station, um, you know, on College Street, I see four college students walking side by side. You know, this is like at 7 30 in the morning. So, you know, they just woke up at somebody's house. Um, one guy had a blanket wrapped around him, so he probably was barely clothed. And, you know, they're all standing next to each other, no mask. You know, so it's college students are, as you remember when you drove when you were 16, how dumb you drove, you know, and it's, college students um, are dumb. Well, I mean, you, the one thing is, you, you don't know. They may all be roommates. They may be with, within each other's. Yeah. <laughs> was like, yeah, then I saw a group of 30 a little further down. But I mean, I, but no, I agree. You cannot, you can't trust. But the, but the problem with the people on campus is that I, I imagine UMass is allowing students who want to stay at home to stay at home if everything's online, right? Yes, but the thing is, they had, so whenever this announcement came, 
it was either one day, I think it was the day in which if the student wanted to get a refund for housing, they had to apply that day. Oh, it was wow. the deadline for, you know, getting any sort of refund. And but, so that means that a student would have to make an immediate decision, uh, you know, well, what they were going to do. If I'm a parent and I could afford it, I think I would, even if I missed the deadline, would be happy to keep my kid at home. But but the thing is, the kids, a lot of the, the students that are on campus are there because they have to be. They don't have a safe place to live. They don't have access to the Internet that they need to complete their classes. So the to for these kids on campus, every bit of you know, whatever you can give them is critical. And to ask that they not work. I mean, you're, you're already dealing with the most vulnerable students that you have, and then you're taking away their income. I, this is, I, I I don't know how that's legal because you're, I don't know how they're not suggesting you don't work. They're literally, they're, they're, I'm saying you can't you off campus. If you go to work, if you, I don't know how, how can you, I don't know how that's legal. I I wonder, I I mean, I'm sure there are things in the, whatever you sign to live in campus housing that sort of sign away some of your, your rights, but there's also a public university. So I I think if they're, you know, this is interesting. Maybe we need to get, have a lawyer, have a Massachusetts lawyer on to talk about some of this stuff because I mean, it's way, it was way beyond our, our, yeah. yeah. But you know, the thing is bottom line, I think that the college model of room and board is going to be kind of challenged a little bit or, or, you know, um, you know, the, the, the way that the cost of college and the fact that it is all in room and board, basically, you know, it's, um, I, I, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I sympathize. I mean, Look, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm what, 12, 13 years removed from being a college student. I, I could not be successful if I was going through college remotely. I just, I wouldn't be. I'm, I'm not able, I have a hard enough time focusing as the teacher now, let alone if I were a student, I could turn my camera off, I can go walk. You know, again, I'm, I'm a college student. I'm putting myself in their shoes. So I don't blame college kids for saying, yes, I want to be on campus. I also know as somebody myself who worked through college, you need that little source of income yeah. for, for nothing else. Like, and I know we're, we're socially, it's different, but I, I was not able to call my parents and be like, hey, you know, Kay, can you transfer 25 bucks to me this week? I, I need some money. You know, I, I, that's what I worked for. I worked for money to get me through the year. And now just tell kids <laughs> to buy beer, Matt, let's be realistic. <laughs> yes, no, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. To, but that, you know, if I want, if whatever, and I, again, I know it's, it's different now. Um, but if a college student wants to work, I mean, isn't that, that's responsible of them. And, and to, yeah. to, to learn how to, ba- I mean, that's the point yeah. of college and being there is to learn how to navigate through all these responsibilities of getting you ready for adulthood. As a college student, you're balancing academics, social life, and a job. Good on you. Like, that's a good thing. And to sit there and say, you can't work because my uh, the campus is more important than you. I, I just, I don't like that. I, I think that's... Yeah, if, if you do have an outside job now, college kids, be careful. Like, you know, wear, keep your masks on. Make sure if you don't need to be working, don't. But to sit there and say you can't work, I, I think that's one. awful because now you're forcing kids who are on campus maybe because they can't learn remotely, like you said, Joe, and, and now they, they can't support themselves financially. I, I just don't like it. Uh, um, I just want to bring up one more thing about professional sports that I really, and, and the Super Bowl really made me think about it because they had a female ref and, you know, the, the women in professional baseball, basketball, and football are getting meaningful jobs. And it's really good to see. It's really good to see. I'll be really excited when Becky Hammond, it seems like she's going to be the Spurs coach when Pop retires. It doesn't look like it's going to be this year, though. But How it, old it, is Pop? I know he's getting older. 110? I mean, <laughs> he's in his 70s, isn't he? 
yeah, he might be older than that. He's yeah, old. he's, yeah, he's got to yeah. be in his late seventies. Yeah. But but he's you know he's still as fiery as ever. If you no, yeah. that'll be great yeah. to have a female head coach. And it's just you know there's no reason. It turns out. In my life experience, I feel that women are much smarter than men. So, oh, yeah. um, you know. and and much and I, honestly, all of my favorite bosses have been women. They're just, just, I don't know, more intelligent, but just le- less less dumb too. If I if that yeah, makes any sense. Thing is right, and I would think that in my mind, if po- all politicians were women, we'd oh, have a God. lot less wars. Yes, no doubt. No doubt. Well, that's, and that's, it's a stereotype, but collaborative versus competitive. And even we, you know, the three of us scream at each other for an hour, but we're, you know, we're as tight as any bunch of guys, I think. But Matt, go, just to add on to what you, what you said earlier, I, I think, you know, if, I'd be really disappointed if college turns into a solely online experience because so much of the college experience is the stuff, you know, the stuff that has nothing to do with the academics, the, the social stuff, the, you know, just like going through the changes that you're going through in those years of your life, you bond really closely with the people you've done it with. I mean, I, I am still really good friends with a dozen guys that I went to college with 30 years ago, which seems absurd to me now, but um, you know, some of the tightest bonds you form are with those people in those moments of kind of growth and crisis. So I think it would be a shame, you know, I think for a lot of students, it would be helpful if more, cause right now it seems like the online only degrees don't hold the same prestige that, a, you know, a standard traditional degree does. I hope that changes because there are a lot of students who do much better in an online, you know, in a remote situation, in an online situation. So I think we can make it so it's best for both types of students. Yeah. No, I think that when um, we go back to where Matt and I will be in person in the school next year, um, five days a week, that especially maybe not in PE so much what Matt teaches, but in, in my second grade class, there'll be uh, a center with computers that kids will do a lot of work on during the day that I haven't really done before. And, uh, you know, and it's, that's a, a positive change that happens. Well, yeah, I mean, kids, kids get technology education in elementary school that we, you know, there wasn't say that technology didn't exist when I was in elementary school. I mean, the internet wasn't around until I, you know, was in my twenties really. And I'll say this there. I mean, as much as I don't, I I've had to create a lot of um, interactive PowerPoint slides for virtual PE. I plan on my intention. It was always, I want to, I, I can't spend all this time and energy for something I'm only going to use once, you know, and then, so I plan on, on setting up my projector in the gym. And, and when I run stations, having a little, you know, interactive dice you know i you could roll a dice or or an i spy challenge that moves through the slideshow that gives kids physical activity i, I plan on using it next year just because yeah. oh, yeah. it'll 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 last but at least next year i'm like oh, I've, I've got to use these i've spent so much time and energy creating these fun <laughs> little you know engaging lessons for kids remotely I'm yeah and i think it's important for old uh, people like myself that, you know, I think it's criminal how much um, uh, uh, computer time, screen time we're, we're forcing on six, seven and eight year old kids. But at the same time, that's the reality. That's the changing world. That's, that's the new reality. And I just have to like, and, you know, do like what you were just talking about, Matt, just look for the good parts of it too. Yeah. Did you restrict, like, did you not allow your kids to even watch TV until a certain age or like, how do you handle screen time with your kids? Cause they're, they're at that age now where they're going to want to really start jumping into this stuff. With we just feet, right? limit the amount. We never, um, we, we were never TV on all day family to begin with, with, with Tyler and Jake growing up. Plus um, you're active, right? You take them outside yeah, we, and do we're stuff. Out, we're outside often. Um, we do let the kids watch. Usually the mornings is like TV time for them. And so um, it's, it's actually nice now. Like even like this morning, Tyler and Jake are up. Um, they each watch their show and Jill and I can kind of lay in bed 
a little bit. We get up slower and then we'll get breakfast ready. So we do TV in the morning um, and then, but then it's off. And then it's, you know, now with it's Legos are huge and Lincoln logs and that kind of stuff. Um, and then we maybe once or twice a week, we'll do a movie night together as a family before bed. Um, but that's it. I mean, I, I, computer time, Tyler's only on it when he needs to be, if he's remote learning, if he's, if he's in school, his computer is staying off. Um, Jake, we, we have given Jake, you know, out of necessity, it's not something I like, but he uses his iPad a little bit during the day. If Jill and I are both teaching remote, just because, you know, like, right. What are you so going to do? He's usually ABC is a, is a nice <laughs> educational app there. Have you heard of that one? No. That's a good no. look into that. ABC okay. is a really good educational app. Um, you know, so it, we limit it. That I guess that's a, a long answer to your question. We limit it, but we can't escape it. Have you talked um, about when they'll get cell phones? Oh, I don't, I don't, it's out of our hand. We can't afford it now anyway. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, it's, yeah, I don't, I will wait as long as possible to get them cell phones. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I spent, I spend way too much time with my face in mine. I, I really, it's, that's yeah. probably my worst habit. Yeah. I have a student Stay teacher here. and she texts me stuff and I have to tell her hours later that my phone is in my pocket and I don't take it out. <laughs> you know, it doesn't bing. I have no idea what's going on in it. Um, so listen, last five minutes, any sports, that we haven't, um, we've eviscerated college basketball. We praise professional um, uh, football and basketball. Oh, I would like to run down the Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox with, you know, incredibly high prices, lots of revenue is they're becoming Tampa Bay. They're, they're getting rid of all their, you know, like to not keep Mookie Betts for his whole career. He's a transcendent player. He's somebody who comes along once every 10 years. That was just unforgivable. There's no way that they should have ever let him go. But anyway, but so I don't really like what the Red Sox are doing. They've got all the money in the world. They took, they just like the Yankees, you have to go one year below the tax threshold so then you don't pay ridiculous uh, markups and the Yankees did it the Red Sox did it so there's no excuse for the Red Sox what they're doing right now that was uh, kind of out of left field I haven't thought about baseball in months well but... it's you know it's spring trainings coming up yeah yeah, well, and you saw they just announced a whole bunch of kind of restructuring for spring training. There's not going to be any inter-squad games or – but again, you know, we, we – Daryl, you said we praised the professional leagues. I don't know that we necessarily did that when we say that they push through at all costs. I don't know that that was necessarily – I mean, there's, there's, there's praise I in there. I guess the but, praise yeah. was that they carried out a fairly successful season. Yeah. And, you know, without, without dipping too far back into the college discussion, we talked about the beginning of the season, just canceling the season and just having a tournament where with every team in the country, and even if you want to make it double or triple elimination, right. you know, to that would have been wiser than, than what ended up happening. Right. But well, and, and what's going to happen now, it's going to be gross. So you'll have like, just say UMass maybe who's played like 13 less games than another team. And they're, you know, they're going to have to wait that to figure out who gets ranked in the playoffs, who makes the playoffs and who doesn't. It's not like they, they'll all have the same 30 games played. Right. The committee is going to have a, a difficult job if that's how it ends up happening. Yeah. You know, they still may have the tournament with every, you know, they still may, may let every team in, which would, you know, would certainly help the revenue situation because people are going to watch the tournament no matter what format it takes or how banged up teams are or, or how unfair. Well, wait a minute. 320 teams would mm -hmm. take forever for a tournament. Take a few more All weeks. we have is time, Daryl. <laughs> I mean, if they played, they could play. The thing is, right now, they just play on the weekends. If they played for two weeks solid, they could get the... the what, three... every night? Yeah, I why think... not? No, because your body falls apart. No, each team doesn't play every night, but you've got all these games to be played. You oh, okay, okay. You wouldn't have to just play on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We could play for two... Imagine that, tournament games for two solid weeks. It'd be yeah. heaven. 
I, I like that. But if you think about it too, you could get rid of, do you really need to have um, conference tournaments? No. So well, they were there were a way to make money sell yeah, tickets. But, but I mean, but yeah. if you wanted to say all three hundred and whatever teams, I mean, if you think about it, we already do that now anyway in the conference championships. So if yeah. you just, you know, we every team qualifies for their conference tournament, and then you have the automatic bids, and then they make it the big one. Right, you could right. just—it's just a marketing way to to market it differently and say, hey, you know, you're 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 conference championship that's a way to to minimize travel keep you in your little conference bubble we'll call this the first few rounds and, and you just market it a little bit different i mean everybody I, I, really i think the way to sell that because the thing is you're going to the the teams the schools are going to lose revenue but i think what you do is the ncaa offers to host those games money. host those games but give the revenue to to who would have been the home team i think that 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 could work. I don't think the NCAA would would consider doing do that because no. it takes um, money out of their listen, pocket. We're in our last minute, so it's time. I gotta for say us. something real quick. I gotta okay. say something too, which is just you kind of isn't it delightful? Isn't it delightful that we didn't have to talk politics at all? <laughs> we got we got a few more seconds. There's nothing really to talk about. I, UConn I, women, baby. Gina Oriema is back on top. Yeah, well, is he number one now? Because did they beat the South Carolina, right, in overtime? They beat him in overtime. So, yeah. yeah. UCon- I mean, I don't know if they're not as dominant as they've been in the past. I don't know if it'll be a short-lived. Well, and the other teams one, have improved. Hey, they're back there. Yeah. The other thing we didn't talk about was the Puppy Bowl. Guys, the Puppy Bowl. <laughs> it, it had Honestly, the Puppy Bowl had more competitive drama than the Super Bowl did on Sunday. <laughs> so I there wish you we go. talked about that because I did feel like it was kind of a boring Super Bowl. But, I mean, I think that was just because I was waiting for that Patrick Mahomes. You should have watched it on Mahomes. Nickelodeon with the slime. That uh, was actually pretty cool. I, that's another thing we could have right. talked about. That's that was, a good that one. Was so listen, we solved all of life's problems. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening to Sports. Sports Plus show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. Thanks See you everybody. next week. Have a good week. Yeah, that uh, Nickelodeon thing, that's actually an interesting topic. Um, and as a as a family- Did you watch little, any? I just saw a few highlights. You know, as with two little kids, I, I, I don't have Nickelodeon. That's not in our cable package, so I never watched it. But I saw, like, highlights of it. And that, I mean, that's that's a smart- clever marketing really um, is. way yeah. you're, as an adult i'm still watching the game um and yep. if it keeps my kids a little bit more engaged and they can enjoy it with me a little bit more i like that and i think baseball with all their issues appealing to a younger crowd i think they should look into figuring out a way how can you use some cool graphics to make baseball a little bit more engaging to those younger kids that's they're onto something there i like that idea yeah, and even as a crotchety old man, that was way more entertaining to me than the third Fox broadcasting team. You know, Moose Johnson and Kenny Albert. I, you know, this the, they don't add anything to games. I, <laughs> yeah, I. The one thing I I would like to talk about was Ur- the Urban Meyer Chris Doyle situation. Yes, that, I was glad to see what happened, but I Urban Meyer's trying to he hired Charlie Strong. He's does he think he's coaching a college team? That's not this is not going to go well. This is not they're going to be 2 and 14 for 3 years in a row and he's going to if he lasts that long. Yeah. Where's he at now? Jacksonville. Jacksonville. I Jacksonville. agree. Wait yeah. a minute. Urban Meyer? Mm-hmm. He's in the NFL now, yeah. Yeah, and he's always oh, in the NFL. Oh. Yeah, and he's filling his staff with college coaches and it's it's just it's a totally different enterprise trying to coach an nfl team and he's he may be professionals as opposed to to young young kids yeah Uh, it's not going to go over well and i i i cannot say enough good things about charlie strong i think he'll be successful individually but i think he's a college he's a career college guy and Mm -hmm. it's going to be a tough adjustment but i he was he was he he was at texas I covered him his last, his first year at Texas. Um, and it was just a, a guy that doesn't get enough credit, I think, for his things he does for his players as men. And the, every, every player that came out of that program just has nothing but praise for the guy and how he handled it, it, a really rough situation down there, too. Yeah. Being, he, well, a, he inherited some, he inherited a mess. And I was actually yeah. rooting for him. What, what, why were the boosters so off on him? Um, did you notice the color of his skin? 
That's yeah, uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah. That is, he was the first. He was the the before Charlie Strong. There had been one black coach in the history of the University of Texas, and it was a tennis coach in like 1974 for one year. So mm-hmm. I it cannot be underestimated. And there were he had the deck stacked against him from the beginning. I'm glad he. He, I mean, he was essentially the, the 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 Jackie Robinson of Texas football, which you guys cannot, I cannot underestimate how much people. I mean, Texas football is the. I've never it seen was, anything it like was, Texas it was football, the, like the Texas football the, booster. Uh, Catholic yeah. Church. It was like the the most important thing. More, more important. The people that are that go to these games every Saturday and been doing this every Saturday for decades. That is, and then the stupid high schools in Texas were just you know it was it, well, it was like mini professional football. Well, and the high schools for that whole state. And this is still the case, even though they haven't won a championship in a long time. But the high schools, as as ridiculous as the importance on Texas high school football is, those are just the building blocks of the pyramid for UT football. And it was, it, Daryl, it was people took it more more seriously than their religion. This was more important yep. to them than Jesus. And when Mac Brown left. He was a messiah, and again, another guy who who was, who was a messiah, Mac Brown. Mac Brown, and right. another guy who was really good at the at the, the administrative parts of the job and the PR parts of the job, and people loved him. He was a, he was a likable guy. Well, but I, they had some great coach before Mac Brown too, right? They've had uh, Texas Daryl Royal. I mean, they've had yeah, yeah, yeah. legions yeah. of, yeah. of great Something. coaches. Yeah, they were but, kind of the Ohio State. Um, thing you know it's funny urban meyer i loved him when he went to university of florida because i'm a gator lover and um and they won the national championship he could recruit but i think go ahead joe well i think he he can recruit he's a you know he's a good tactician a good offensive tactician but i don't think he understands the complexity of the NFL job and the other, all the other things that you have to do correctly to be successful. Yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, urban Meyer, he's a smart football coach. I, I, I don't know if you guys watched the Aaron Hernandez documentaries. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I was kind of put off a little bit on urban Meyer and, and I don't know, he's a good recruiter, but I think he, he did it in a little bit of a sleazy way. If you look at everywhere he's been, with the exception of Utah, um, there's he's always left his his program in worse shape uh, yeah, than it yeah. was when he got there. And I think there's something to that. And in the NFL, you know, when you're dealing with grown men who are worried about their paychecks, I don't know. I I, I, I never root for somebody's failure. I'm just not very optimistic that he'll be successful. I guess. Yeah, and, and you know, Chris Doyle wasn't the first questionable hiring decision he made, or, or nor the first, you know, violator of that type that he tried to harbor. So I, I don't. Yeah, he's not a guy that I root for. It doesn't seem yeah. to be that um, ethics. And it's hard too, as as when you're in college. I think like guys like Shashevsky, like we could say what we want about Duke, but he he teaches young men. He you know he's he's a leader of young men. Um, but he, when you're a college coach of any sport, you also have the ability to say it's it is kind of my way or the highway. You're a college coach. When you're an NFL coach, you have to realize the players have more say. You know your big time players have more say in it than you do. Because who's an owner going to back the player? Well, I I think even uh, I kind of take, take opposition to the idea that a college coach and they are, they do, they are this way, but that they should be allowed to be my way or the highway. I think I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, I I think, but I think that's something that we're moving away from or starting to, and the attention on coaches like Chris Doyle helps in that respect. So I think, I hope, you know, I hope we're moving away from that. Cause again, if we're not going to compensate college athletes, like we do professional athletes, we shouldn't, you know, it's essentially we're putting tougher demands on them and, and not compensating them. We, it should be one or the other. We should at least. Yeah. Well, but I mean, it's, it's, 
That's an interesting dynamic, though, because realistically, I'm, I'm, and I'm not saying that a college coach should be able to say or do whatever they want without repercussion, but you're also, I don't know if you'll ever get to a point where a college kid, let's just say Zion Williamson, right? He was, he was a star from the moment he walked onto Duke campus. If he went to Duke administration and said, I don't like Coach K, transfer out like that's going to be his that's going to be the administration's response to him you could transfer to another team I think there's too many op, you know I, I don't know I don't know if you'd ever get to a point where a college athlete would have that same sort of voice over the coach as you do professionally well but I think in that in that specific respect the college player elects who they go to play for and also their their ability to to ask out is kind of especially now that college players just play a, a year in in one place you know i think to allow i think we the the pro players are assigned to a team so i think asking for a trade after a couple of years when you think your team is not going to not making the best decisions not making decisions in your in your favor uh, or for your benefit, I think it takes a college player. By the time a college player learns those things, they're they're ready to move on anyway. I, I but I think there's you know, and you know this. I I think they all should have more freedom in in every in any direction. I think college. I think the years the sitting out a year for college transfers should be abolished. I think you know you should be able to move as as freely as as you like. I agree there. Good show today, guys. Yeah, we only talked about Tom Brady for an hour. Uh, can we can we not talk about him at all next week? You think we can do that? I don't know, man. It's hey, like I think I think we can we can maybe give Joe the, a break on that one. I mean, unless I mean, he, it's, like, it's over unless he falls off his motorcycle or something. Well, how about hey, drunk Tom Brady was pretty funny to watch. I will say that was the most humanizing moment of the guy's entire career. And he does seem to enjoy being in Florida. And if I have to do anything to convince you guys to move out of, out of the cold weather, look at, look how much fun he was having running around in shorts and flip flops. Uh, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Well, all right, fellas. All right. See you next week, guys.